Bears Brew Podcast. I'm Dave Gasper, joined by Matt Carroll. We are the ed- editors at viewingthebrew.com, and this is the Cold Brew Podcast, and it's been very cold, and uh, we've been brewing, and there's been a, a lot of brewing of drinking of brews uh, <laughs> around here trying to stay warm. I know <laughs> It's it's been a rough week. It really has. Uh, the roads around here are absolutely awful. I don't know how they are about you, Matt, but they are awful. Um, but this is a cold brew podcast, and uh, we we're talking brewers, and we're going to be having some fun. I wish the off season was moving a little bit faster. The hot stove has been about as cold as the temperatures outside, and negative uh, fifteen or whatever it is, and twelve inches of snow. That's pretty much what this off season has been, Matt, and this. The whole past week has just been brutal. Yeah, still just, and it's not just a brewer's problem. Like it, you'll, you'll, there will be a couple signings and then nothing across the league outside of a random minor league signing or um, just, just nothing. And we thought it was once Otani and Yamamoto got signed, things would start to happen. Trades would start to happen. Like finally some action and it just hasn't even been that. And like now it feels like we're past the, you know, the shifting of, oh, OK, you know, what should be happening now is what would normally have been happening in the middle of December of a normal. Like, no, it's not even that anymore. It's just just nothing. And I, I, I don't know when we're actually yeah. I like I I still in my heart of hearts believe the Brewers aren't done because, again, like it like. All of these can't, teams can't just be done. The Brewers yeah. can't be, the Cubs can't be, the like, everyone can't be just done. Well, the Dodgers could be done at this point, for Christ's sake. No, they'll but, probably still get, like, the three top remaining free. Yeah. Uh, no but, yeah, it's it's been slow. Uh, perhaps the winter storm has knocked out the power lines to everyone's <laughs> phones for, for all these teams, and... Dude, I don't know about you, but, like, the roads by me are still complete ice. But then again, I live in Madison and Dane County, and they do not even salt the roads. They did not plow. They intentionally did not plow. With a 12-inch of snow storm coming in, they knew it was coming in, and they intentionally decided not to plow the roads with 12 inches of snow coming down. I am – my mind is boggled. They, I can tell you they plowed plenty here because I had to shovel out the end of our driveway three damn times over the course of that last snowstorm. So, so they were definitely plowing here. It was definitely delayed when it came to like side streets and stuff. Um, well, it always is. Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. That's to be expected. So, no, it, I mean, the main stuff is pretty solid. Even my street, and I live on a pretty side street of side streets. Um, is about half empty of the packed ice crap. And now it's going to be 40 next week for three days yeah. and raining. Like, And that's when they'll decide crack. to put down like, the salt, at least here <laughs> in Madison, because that's that's literally what they said. They're going to wait until Monday to put down salt. It is still an inch thick layer of ice on all the roads. We're a week after the snowstorm, and I'm, I'm still driving on ice everywhere. Like anyone listening to this that lives in Madison, they know that like they know exactly how awful it is out there. It, on Monday, it's all going to start melting by itself because that's when it's going to start being 40. There's no yeah, I that. know. <laughs> that's what we we're I mean, saying. It's like, oh, no, we'll wait until then to put down the salt. Why? At, at that point, why? It's it's ridiculous. But, you know, that's that's what we have to gripe about because we can't gripe about the brewers signing somebody that we don't want them to sign because like this is how it always goes now we we say do something right like fans are always like this we we want to say like do something come on make a move and then they make a move not that don't do that do something better do something else but yeah that's that's essentially what it's been but we can't even complain about that because nothing has happened but we can't complain about them not doing anything because neither is anyone else like reese hoskins is still out there Carlos Santana is still out there. Uh, you know, J.D. Martinez is still out there. All these top guys, Jorge Soler, all these hitters are still out there. They, they haven't signed with anybody. The market hasn't really moved. 
at all. And there's the the whole hot stove is frozen solid, just like the roads in Madison. <laughs> the the top eleven, according to MLB.com's free agent list, um, and they just rank it's it's literally listed by um, WAR over the last two years, combined WAR over the last two years. The top eleven first basemen are all unsigned at this point. The highest rated first baseman who has signed is Rowdy Telez. Like, wow. That's the best first baseman that has signed a deal. He's actually the only free agent first baseman who has signed a major league deal this offseason. The other three that have signed, Jake Lamb and Juan Yepes, both signed to minor league deals, and Jesus Aguilar is going over to Japan. Those are the only four first basemen that have signed, and one of them has signed a major league deal. So all the first basemen are freaking still there for the Brewers to pick from. Yeah. So, again, to your point, it's not just the Brewers doing nothing. It's everyone doing nothing because, like, everyone is still there. I'll, I'll scroll down to second baseman. Two of them have signed, one of them to a major league deal. Um, oddly enough, damn near all the – free agent catchers have signed because that's what everyone wants to figure out first, apparently. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you could go down the list. There's all kinds of free agents still out there in a number of different positions and, and a designated hitter. The only two who have signed are Shohei, obviously, and McCutcheon. All the rest of the free agent uh, uh, designated hitters. Of, yeah. And McCutcheon's just Shane you know, Hook because he's a Pittsburgh legend. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they got that done. Right. But Not yeah, so yeah, so everyone's still out there. Mm-hmm. So while we are frustrated that nothing is really happening, we can't necessarily blame the Brewers because they're not exactly watching these guys go off the market yet. And hey, maybe the longer they stay on, I mean, we're about four weeks, less than four weeks now, less than a month until pitchers and catchers report to spring training. And the closer and closer you get, those free agents, their prices start to drop a little bit. That's true. And, you know, maybe one of them, Reese Hoskins, hopefully, uh, can drop into the Brewers' price range and and they can get them. But, that yeah, it's, ju- it's just a waiting game that we're playing. And that's why we're watching all these guys just kind of hand, just hang out there on the, on the open market. And maybe eventually at some point soon things will pick up. We've seen some reports that – over the next seven to ten-ish days, we could see things pick up for guys like Reese Hoskins and J.D. Martinez and Jorge Soler, the, the top hitters out there on the market. But who knows? You know, maybe they'll heat up. Maybe maybe we just need one guy to sign. We thought it was going to be Yamamoto as soon as he signed. That would mm-hmm. kickstart the rest of the pitching market or something. But nope, still been slow there. And Everything's just been a slog, um, even since Otani signing after the winter meetings and just waiting. Yeah. Um, You look at, again, like going to um, like starting pitchers. I would have thought that would have been something where there would have finally been a big cascade of signings once, especially Yamamoto ended up going, but you have some of the best ones, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, um, Woodruff is still unsigned. They keep, you know, talking about, you know, will he, won't he with the Mets and kind of a couple other teams and he's still out there. Um, so, Oh, that was very Canadian of me. Um, <laughs> so, some of the kind of the mid tiers, the, your Mike Clevenger's, your Michael Lorenzen's, your Rich Hill's still available. Like, there's a good – Zach Greinke is still out there. That would just be fun as hell, even though he's 40. Um, he's a man. He's a man. He's 40. So am I. Um, like, there's there's pitchers to choose from. We've talked about it before. It would be nice for the Brewers to grab a um, one more starting pitcher to kind of just bolster that rotation, and there are guys to be had. But – that's in particular a position where it's maybe good that the Brewers are waiting because some of these starting pitcher deals have been absolutely astronomical compared to the talent level with some of them. So I, maybe I, not the worst thing there. 
I think that may be why the market has slowed down for, for all these guys. We saw this last year with like the lefty reliever market. Like all these relievers, all, all these guys were hanging out there for forever on the market because it stalled because Pittsburgh, no, not Pittsburgh, Philly gave like a massive contract to like Matt Strom or something. It was like a year or two ago. The entire market got held up because he got some sort of like multi-year deal and the rest of the market was like trying to look for something similar. And all the teams are like, whoa, look, they overpaid. We are not going to be paying that much. So we're just going to hold off until we get closer to spring training when you guys come off your ridiculous demands. So maybe that's what's happening here with that early pitching market. It was huge, man. The prices that guys like Seth Lugo got, yeah. um, it, it was nuts. So I, I think we've reached that point where teams are like, look, these prices for pitching are ridiculous. These guys are not that good. They're not worth that much money. So we're going to wait. We're going to hold off and give it a couple of weeks because eventually, like, you guys are going to want to sign. But your demands right now are too high. As you get closer and closer to spring training, those demands come down. So that's what we're in the middle of right now. It is frustrating. It is annoying. But that's that's where we are. So that leaves us with figuring out other things to talk about. And coming up on the podcast, we will have our most hated brewers uh, of all time that we can think of. And last week we did the obscure Brewers Legends. Uh, if you missed that podcast, you can always, you can always go back and listen to it. Um, and I think we drafted some uh, some pretty good teams there on that obscure Brewers Legends list. Definitely. Um, and it and it switched my thinking a little bit there once I realized we were we were going the obscure route, but I felt like we had a couple couple solid teams. Especially top of the draft started very strong for both mm-hmm. sides, and then it started getting 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 a little tougher along the way. But uh, I think that this one will be this one will be a good one. Looking yeah, forward. Yeah, we to so we will have our most hated brewers. So we're going a little bit into the negative because we're cranky because it's cold outside. Uh, <laughs> coming up on the podcast a little bit later. But first, before we get to that, there were some things that the Brewers did this past week, and that was on the international free agent market because that signing period opened on January 15th. So it opened up earlier this week, and the Brewers signed 35 players, 35 teenagers, two minor league contracts, uh, with some with big signing bonuses. Uh, the Brewers typically do have large international classes and this year was i think one of their biggest and the brewers got arguably one of the better classes too just in in terms of rankings they got the number 12 prospect on mlb pipelines list of international players jorge quintana and they also got the number 22 player who has the number one best name (laughs) of this class jesus made so it's it's pretty strong looking uh, from this group. Quintana is the highest ranked um, brewer on the international prospects list by MLB Pipeline since Gilbert Lara a decade ago when Lara was number four. Lara, as we know, didn't pan out at all. But but pr- after that, the highest ranked brewer's prospect was Jackson Churio mm-hmm. at 16. Jackson Cherio was the 16th ranked prospect in his class, if you remember that. Yeah, it, um, it, it's funny because I was actually looking up Jackson Cherio articles to try and link to in one of the recent, uh, one of the articles I just put out today and came across that article and was like, oh, yeah, look at that. Fun, fun to look back on those ones. Um, I, it, glad to hear of a Quintana who won't be torturing us for once. Um <laughs> Because that's usually all I can think of when I think of that last name. Speaking of um, potentially an idea for a you know another future list that we were throwing around before the podcast, but um, no, uh, Jorge Quintana um, going into the Brewers. It, it, it's I, I love seeing like the trends that the Brewers have followed when it comes to their international focus, and obviously you know. Love that the Brewers have put such a big focus on that in recent years and that they've had such strong international drafts as well, because so many, obviously so many of the best players in all of baseball 
come from that international market. And so you some of these guys are going to turn out, as we're already seeing with Jackson Cheerio, to be among the best players in the league. And so giving yourself, you know, by drafting or assigning more and more and more and more of those players, you're just giving yourself even that much more of a chance to hit on that lottery ticket. And so to get the 12th ranked international prospect on top of all of that just, you know, increases those chances even more. Digging into Venezuela, where the Brewers have had a strong presence now for years, um, another big thing. And then the fact that they love signing those guys who are, you know, classified as shortstops on the international market this early in their career, because really, to you know, to be classified as shortstop, that clearly means you're among the most athletic of the players in the international class. Doesn't mean you have to stick at shortstop. But it does give you potentially the ability to play at a bunch of different positions, which just means the sky's the limit a lot of times uh, for the future in the Brewers organization. So it really, really smart to trend towards that position like the Brewers do. Yeah, and, and certainly at those younger ages, generally the best player on the field mm-hmm. is the shortstop. Yeah, that's where the best player is playing. Um, so if if you're one of those guys and you're playing first base um, as a 15, 16 year old, you know, as you know, odds are with, with the big league career, it may not be the thing if you're limited to first base already, unless you're just some big hulking slugger, then it's like, OK, we'll we'll take you in. But, yeah, generally it's it's shortstops and Jorge Quintana is the headliner of this Brewers class. From MLB Pipeline's right up on him, he's a tall, athletic infielder, uh, you know, 6'2", 6'3", already, I think. He's a switch hitter, which is very exciting. Good bat-to-ball skills. Um, his game is polished already at a young age, which is something that they did say about Jackson Churio as well. Um, and just, he will continue to improve. Knack for hitting the ball into the gaps with authority. Flashes of power. Overall strength is going to improve. Twitchy athlete. And the quickness needed to remain at shortstop. Also praise for his work ethic and makeup. And that's another important thing. Work ethic, makeup, being able to continue to grow as a player. Having that uh, is certainly going to be helpful for him, for any young player. Um, having a strong having a strong makeup, strong character, and, and just the willingness to work. So that's the, the headliner here for what the Brewers are getting with Quintana and I mean, just it's everything you could really ask for in in terms of their description. And you remember Matt, we had Brenton Del Chiaro on the, on the podcast several weeks ago. And what we asked what, what they wanted with, with their hitters and athleticism was, was what they're looking for. So whenever you see Quintana or made or the guys on the draft, whatever it is, the Brewers love their athletes because it's that athleticism that is going to help them adjust and get better as they get into the higher levels and help them maintain their success as a hitter. We see that with Churio. We, we see that with Garrett Mitchell. We see that with Bryce Terang. We, we see that with Christian Yelch. We see that with everybody, with all the hitters. How do they stay good? They're athletic enough to make the adjustments without having having to do anything major and stay mm-hmm. successful at the plate. Right. And that also translates to defense, which is where you see kind of another similar theme with a lot of the top international prospects for the Brewers. Goes for Jackson Churio, who was able to transition from shortstop to center field relatively seamlessly and played center field well. Like, he is an above-average athlete at, in center field, which... I think the Brewers would have been fine if he only landed at average with the way that his bat plays. But, I mean, if shown him, I think that was Del Chiaro who spoke about it too. Um, He's got maybe a little bit of polish when it comes to the routes that he takes on balls sometimes, but a lot of times his athleticism actually makes up for it, and he's able to get places that you wouldn't expect him to. Look at the second-ranked, international prospect in the Brewers system right now too, Jefferson Carroll. Mm-hmm. He went immediately 
he was talking about his instincts and how well he could catch a pitcher, basically call a game at such a young age. And that has also helped him escalate through, or, you know, move through the system even quicker because, you know, you see with catchers sometimes that, yeah, they might have an okay bat, but there's such a work in progress behind the plate that they need to stay down there and keep working and working and working and then they don't get anywhere. But then the opposite is true. You also have, have to have a good bat to be able to work your way through. Caro has that kind of, as a catcher, that all around awesomeness that's allowed him to get to where he is and will honestly probably see him in the majors at some point in 2024. So these, you know, that, that make up those instincts, those, you know, to look that impressive from that sense at such a young age definitely projects for a lot better chances of making your way through the system uh, in the future. Yeah, it's it's so important. And, you know, so many of these guys, I mean, they, they signed 35 of them. Not all 35 are going to make the majors. Not all 35 are even going to make it to the Arizona Complex League. I mean, it, it's... It's so tough. I mean, there's they're scouting these guys when they're 13, 14 years old, and, and they're coming to agreements with them years in advance of them being able to sign. And it, it's so much projection uh, and so many things that need to happen, so many things that need to line up for a lot of these international players uh, in order to have success. And, you know, fewer still will, will reach the upper levels of the minors and, and even fewer, you know, you're lucky maybe you're getting one or two from a signing class that will make the big leagues. But you don't know which one it's going to be. Jefferson Carroll was not the highest rated or, or biggest bonus player in, in that class. I believe that was uh, Hedbert Perez and is that Luis Medina maybe in that same yeah, class? Yeah, I think that was that class. I think you're right. Yeah, Luis Medina never really made it out of rookie ball. Hedbert Perez has been struggling in low A, and Caro has become one of the top catching prospects in all of baseball. Caro was not one of their top three signing bonus guys that year. He signed for like 200K, I think. So you never know where it's going to come from. It could be the top guy in the class. It could be the fourth or fifth. It, it could be the last guy you didn't even think of. So just it's important to keep that in mind with all these international guys. You, you never know who exactly it's going to be. Quintana obviously has the, the highest ceiling from what scouts believe so far, but anything can happen. It could be Jesus made. He's more of a power over hit kind of guy uh, based on, on his profile from the scouting report. He's also a switch hitting shortstop, uh, very strong defender as well. So we'll see what he can do. But there's there's so many different guys that that could jump out and be the guy. And that's what makes days like this or, or days like that signing 35 players so much fun. These guys, they're having their dreams come true. They're getting life changing money for most of them. And they get to now try to work their way up in the system and they get to start at the Brewers Dominican Academy. And the Brewers just opened their their phase two, their their final phase of their new Dominican Academy. Adam McKelvey has had some great stuff, friend of the podcast. He's had some great stuff uh, over there at, at Brewers.com detailing the new facilities, and uh, the Brewers just opened it. Uh, they had Mark Atanasio, Matt Arnold, everybody down there uh, to kind of celebrate the opening. And it, it's a facility like that that the Brewers can take these young players to when when they're scouting them and when they're trying to sign them being like, look at what you can be a part of that I think could almost help them get and recruit and, and sign more and better players going forward, Matt. Absolutely. It also gives you somewhere for a lot of these players to go and do things. Like um, That's a lot of players. Last year, the Brewers, didn't they also sign like 30? Um, yeah, they, I, I think I, they signed, yeah, 29, 30 last year. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of guys to be bringing into the system when, you know, you only have so many, and, you know, these are all obviously very young guys, but you only have so many minor league affiliate spots. Every team only has the four affiliates and the rosters are only so large. 
you have, yes, you have your Arizona Complex League uh, slots as well, but um, <laughs> you've got to have somewhere for all these guys to go. And the Brewers mm-hmm. just signed almost 70 of them over the last two seasons. So um, having that facility, again, like you said, you know, something to kind of show off and, you know, hey, hey come to our organization. These are the type of facilities you can be working with and, you know, the type of help you can get to get you to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um has got to be huge in attracting some of these players. And this year, you know, that may have been part of what played yeah. into the Brewers getting their highest rated guy in years. And also developing them too. Like, like it, it's one thing to, to bring them in and, and impress them with all the bells and whistles of a new facility. Um, that's much more centrally located to all the other DSL teams, but it's another thing too, having them in there and being able to develop them because it, you know, that also is, like it's a big investment for the Brewers because they can then get better players coming out. And then maybe that success ratio of you're lucky to get one player from a class reaching the big leagues, you know, maybe you could get two or three or four and and you can just kind of continually churn out high level talent because you're able to develop them better at the beginning because it's so important early on down there in the system in order to be able to have success, because if they struggle early on, at down at that level, it's so tough to to work your way up the ladder and and for the team to naturally be like, well, I guess you don't got it. We're gonna have to release you. And and then how are you gonna work your way up? It's it's just it's difficult. And having that having those facilities, I, I think, will make things a lot easier uh, in helping develop that kind of success. So. Banner week for the Brewers on the international market with with their signings and and the Dominican Academy, but it'd be nice to see some forty man roster moves too. <laughs> yeah, please, please. Yeah, it's it's coming. Dude, just it, it's coming. There, Ooh, there's still plenty of guys out there. Yeah, it's it's not all picked over, but that's really kind of been the big news for the Brewers of the week. That, that's kind of been the only movement. Um, and and prospect nerds like us. Uh, really, really enjoy seeing those signings come through. But uh, that's not all we have for you on this podcast, because now we're going to go through the list of the most hated brewers in history. We're going negative. We're feeling a little cold and crabby and cranky because of the weather. And it's it's been rough. So we're going to go we're going to go a little bit negative which is which is unusual for us Matt usually we're we're two pretty positive people and uh usually pretty pretty positive on on the brewers yeah and well and we're just you know we're brewers fans so we're fans yeah. of the players and so even you know some of the worst players the brewers have had it's like well okay but I kind He's of like trying it. his best you know yeah <laughs> exactly um but there are are some out there that no matter what, a majority of people are just going to think back to that guy and ne- never will have anything good to say about him. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I believe we're only going to do a top five this time yeah. instead of ten because really I, I feel like us as Midwesterners, we're too nice to really hate that many <laughs> people uh, or hold that much of a grudge. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I – I think it would have been tough to find a list of 10 for each of us, you know, 20 total players uh, that we hated as brewers. Uh, So we're going to keep it down to five. Um, Matt, since you went first the last time, I believe it's uh, my turn to go first. I was going to suggest, and I I know just like last time, I have a feeling I know who is going to be first off the board here. So, yeah, I feel like when we mentioned the most hated brewers, of all time, I think for just about every fan, uh, especially fans of a certain age, one singular name comes to mind. The one singular name that is currently in its final year of eligibility on the Hall of Fame ballot. The guy who really hated being in Milwaukee. Give me Gary Sheffield with the number one overall pick of most hated brewer of all time. That is not where I thought you were going to go. Really? I'm not going to lie. Um, he was going to be who I was going to take as my <laughs> number one if you hadn't yeah, see, the other guy. Well, see, I was going to take Nate Orff number one last time, and you ruined that. <laughs> so, so ha, there we go. 
Yeah, I, but no, like in well, in any sort of I feel like in any sort of a draft of of the most hated brewers of all time, Gary Sheffield has to top the list. If we did not have Gary Sheffield as as the number one overall pick in this draft, everyone said you guys do not know what you're talking about. What are you doing? How could you pass up Gary Sheffield as the most hated brewer of all time? He still gets booed. Like he got booed the whole rest of his career. Everyone hated him, and for for very good reason. Yeah, no, I. It should be the number one pick. Um, it actually isn't who I would have gone with for my number. It, it's who I would have gone with for one point two, mm. because I didn't think you were going to take him. That's oh. why he would have been my first. I actually have a different one, and I think this. It's it's funny because I'm the one who's older than you, but. <laughs> I think Believe me, I, I have learned from my parents about about the history and why we hate Gary Sheffield. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, and I grew up. I mean, I've got I've got my card baseball card album behind me, and I know I've got a bunch of Gary Sheffields in there. Um, so that was the like that was when I grew up, and and yes, he certainly he he has earned that right by how he spurned Milwaukee. But the one I'm going to take for my number one is maybe when you talk about, you know, people of different generations, I think this is one that maybe the younger generation who wasn't as much around and familiar with Gary Sheffield is probably going to pick as their number one. So give me Jeff Supon. Ah, there it is. Yeah. I thought that was, I really thought that was the obvious number one. No, he, he was certainly on my list. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The, the big contract, not being worthy of it, um, and then just pitching like crap uh, for all four years of it. Just absolutely awful. Yeah. yeah, Jeff Supon is certainly one of the most hated brewers of all time. All right. Yep. Yeah. What, what more can you say? That, that's the one that I hear everyone go back to, I feel like, at this point. Yeah, because it, it's again. freshest in the memory. Yeah, exactly. Gary Sheffield's yep. a little bit further back in the memory. But, yeah, Jeff Supon still still fresh there. Um, all right, so for my number two pick, I'm going to go with a guy who, well, he wasn't here very long, but he certainly, certainly was disliked by many. And perhaps that was because three days after the Brewers signed him to a contract, he tested positive for PEDs um, or was found out on the Mitchell list or whatever it was. We found out he was taking steroids. Three days after the Brewers signed him to a contract, give me Eric Gagne mm. as one of the most hated Brewers of all time. Yep. They signed him to be this big-time closer, and, you know, you have the PED thing, and then he wasn't he even sucked. good either. <laughs> nope. Yeah, he was bad. His his heyday was, like, several years prior, so we get this guy who's just way past his prime, and it's just like, oh, my God, look at this great guy that we signed, and... Yeah, no, it was awful. It, w- it went awful almost immediately. Yeah, yep, it sure did. I I had him on mine. Um, he was he was an easy one, easy one to remember. Um, I had I had forgotten about him for years until can't remember what it was I was writing about or researching or something like that, and then came across his name again. It was like, ugh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Boo. Okay. Um. I'm going to go ahead and stick with the starting pitcher mark because it's easy to it's easy to dislike a starting pitcher that doesn't perform well because they generally make so much dang money. Um, the Brewers signed two of them after the Jeff Supon. Debacle. I know where you're going. You know exactly where I'm going. Yep. And yeah. one of them is definitely more hated than the other. Um, give me Matt Garza, yep. former Cub, of course. He had to suck like he did. Matt Garza, who could not, who was, had the, was the first one who infamously could not freaking throw to first base. Um, And then John Lester ended up having his issues, which actually just resulted in a hilarious game where the Brewers bunted a billion times, just daring him to throw to first. I don't know if you remember that game, but it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was... Matt Garza was so bad throwing it. Like, it, but, it's so yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, yeah, he did not live up to the, the contract expectations that everyone had coming in. And, you know, the Brewers made, made a big deal of big deal of him. And, yeah, it just, it did not live up to it. Mm-hmm. No. 
All right. Um, so let's see where where should I go for number three? Ah, well this this may be a technicality. Um, Matt, will will you allow managers to be included on this list? Because most hated brewers, they they are still technically brewers. Mm-hmm. They weren't playing on the field, but I'd allow a manager. Yep. You'd allow a manager. Okay. Yep. Well, give me Ken Maka yeah, it is. As, uh, yeah. as one of my most hated brewers because that dude was straight garbage as yeah. a manager. I mean, the Brewers had a playoff team in 2008. They fired Ned Yost. They, they let Dale Swain take over for the rest of the year. And it's like, oh, well, you know, now that we kicked out Ned Yost uh, from being the manager, who should we get? Let's get Ken Maka coming off a playoff appearance. He knows what he's doing, right? The Brewers sucked for the next two years. They were absolute awful. Then as soon as they fire Ken Maka and they bring in Ron Renneke, the Brewers are our playoff team again. What a coinkydink, huh? What a coincidence. So Ken Maka, just absolute moron of a manager. He may have been fine in Oakland for all those years when he was running those Moneyball teams, but that does not mean he was a good manager for the Brewers, and he was just complete garbage. I was out managing him, and I was in middle school. Like, it, it was just freaking awful. Just awful. Yep. No, that's uh, like you said. They wear a brewer uniform. They are not immune to this list. So that is a that is a good choice. I actually didn't have him written down. I had. To... <laughs> I'll get into that later. Um. Okay. I'm gonna go with a very 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 recent player. I think Brewers fans are gonna talk about disliking this, whether it was fair or not. Brewers fans are going to talk about disliking this guy for quite some time, especially after a certain managerial decision in the 2023 playoffs. Give me Jesse Winker. Ah, yes. Good old Jesse Winker. Yeah, he definitely, definitely did not earn any, uh, any fans there. Um, Oh man, that was good. I did not have Jesse Winker on my list. Dang. That's shocking. Since it was And I'm the I, one. I, I was I was more looking through the historical ones than um than than the current ones. But yeah, that's a uh, that's a good one. I, sh- I should have gone there. Dang. All right. So we are three players in each to our most hated Brewers list. I've got Gary Sheffield, Eric Gagne, and Ken Maka. Uh, Matt, who are your three guys? We've got Jeff Supon, Matt Garza, and Jesse Winker. All right. That is a that was a strong team right there. Oh, sort of. Uh, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> uh, so many, so many names. Um, you know, this this may be the rare player who is on both the Obscure Brewers Legends list and the Most Hated Brewers list. Okay. Yeah, because outside of his one obscure legendary moment, he was hated by pretty much everybody. The Brewers got him at the trade deadline from the Baltimore Orioles. Mm. Give me Jonathan Scope. Yeah. He's one of the most hated Brewers. Good pick. Yeah. Yeah. One that, again, like he was with us for so little of time, but I think with the, with how good he was before that and how bad he was after and for what an important year that it was, that's why there's such a like negative impact in Brewers fans' minds with that one. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, like the Brewers had plenty enough other good guys to where you didn't really even have to worry about scope. But, of course, he kept getting playing time because the whole point for bringing him in was to for the Brewers to, you know, get over the hump and make it the rest of the way into the World Series for the second time ever. And they did not. No, no, they did not. But, um, yeah, and Scope, like, they thought they were going to be getting him for a year and a half to kind of shore up there in the infield, and they ended up non-tendering him because he was just that bad. And, uh, yeah, it was it was, it was was a rough stretch. It did not go as, as planned. That was the first time I've seen a general manager just kind of admit, yeah, that one was on me. It didn't work out. Um, just kind of, yeah. a, kind of a bad deal. Like, you never see a GM admit that they made a bad deal. Right. Yeah, but Stearns had a few of those moments, <laughs> like when he admitted basically the entire 2020 season or uh, roster 
philosophy was a bad idea. We tried some things and they didn't work. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't you don't see that very often at all. Right. So and now he's gone. So oh well. Um. Let's see. All right, Matt. You're at pick number four. Pick number four. Um. Oh, actually, just thought of one now. <laughs> and I'm bringing him in for pick number four. Brewers fans like the guy because he basically looked like a 12-year-old on the mound. And you looked like small and strapping. You cannot include Hobie Milner on this list. No. <laughs> he also did, though. <laughs> Funny. But no, obviously, obviously not Hobie Milner. Everyone loves Hobie. Yeah. Uh, but, man, after he left and we found out some things about how big a douchebag he is, Zach Davies. Uh, yes. Dead to the Brewers fan base. For for anyone who did not catch this, um, he basically, like, left his wife and kids and ghosted them or something like something yeah. those lines. Just horrible. Yeah, like, was cheating on her and then just ghosted her. Yeah. So, something that, like, you wouldn't expect for such a, you know, small, unassuming dude, like, yeah, and then and then he ended up sucking hard after that, which would just make it so much better. But yeah, he oh when that came out, Brewers fans displeased, dead to us. So oh, I'm glad I got to add him to my list. I guess. Yeah, there, you got you got quite the rotation over there of of Davies, Garza, and Supan. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man, just a hell rotation from hell. Yeah, I got man, I got I got a couple of tough choices here. Um one is one is more recent coming off this past season. Another one is is legendary for all the wrong reasons. Um but I think I'm going to go with the more recent one just because my second choice didn't really play that much. So I don't, I don't know if the hate was necessarily on him cuz we barely ever saw him. I'll I'll talk about who it is um, afterwards if you don't pick him because you still have one more pick to go. But for me, give me Andrew Chafin as my final selection because <laughs> nice. he came over in the trade deadline and he did not do well. He was always giving up runs and Brewers fans were just so over him. Like it, it did not take long for everyone to be like, OK, we're done with this. Get rid of him. Like, please, please stop bringing in Chafin. And uh, he ended up signing with Detroit in free agency. So Chafin is gone. But, yeah, he did not pan out uh, very well at all. That, yeah, solid one. And he he's going to be one. And now, that, I'm going, yeah. now I'm going through. I'm thinking of more names. Maybe we could do a 10 list. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, at some point, I'll get to ones where I'm, like, questionable with that. So. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'd get all the way through 10. Um, the one that just – this is going to be – I'm really pulling this one out of left field. And it's also one that I don't think was fair when you look at his numbers for sure. Um, I don't know I don't know if you'll remember much about that. And I'm not saying that he's from that long ago. But Cameron Lowe as a reliever <laughs> with the Brewers caught yes. so much shit. <laughs> and I don't know why. Like from those from that time period, I can't think of someone who drew so much ire of Brewers fans. And the guy, I'm trying to get back to the page where I had him on. He had an ERA of like three and a half or something like that with the Brewers. He wasn't yeah. even bad. He yeah, three point six seven. But like I, you're I, laughing because I'm right. I've lo- I got a there's a there's a buddy of mine one of my really good buddies who just absolutely loathes Cameron Lowe. Why? I just remember him ranting about Cameron Lowe so much. <laughs> I've never understood because he wasn't even that bad. Maybe he had a bunch of blown saves that aren't showing up where I have it. I don't know, but like people hated that dude around then. Yeah. And- Three, three, six, hey, someone in that bullpen him. has to draw the ire of the fans, and it was just Cameron Lowe. And it was, those were, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, so that's a year where the Brewers, you know, 
end up yeah. making the playoffs. He had a three five even during the playoff year. Like yeah. Well, what was it compared to the rest of the bullpen? I mean, fair fair question. Let's let's pull up. Because if if everyone else has an ERA of around two or so, and his ERA is three and a half, by comparison, he looks like he sucks. Right. I I'm I'm betting it's not that far off. All right. Um, we had Cameron Lowe. Obviously, John Axford was. We had Latroy Hawkins at a 2.42. K Rod at a 1.86. Uh, Saito at a 2.03, McClendon at a 2.66. So yeah, there were some guys in yeah. that bullpen. So when he's got a three and a half, he looks like he's hot garbage. <laughs> right, which is just insane, just insane. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I like I thought of him, and I'm like, is he too obscure in this sense to throw in? And then I just thought back of all the people I heard, remember trashing him back then. I'm like, yeah. no, he's going on a list. So that's yeah. my number five. I have an honorable mention I just thought of because um, we, we finished our list of fives here. So I have Gary Sheffield, Eric Gagne, Ken Maka, Jonathan Scope, and Andrew Chafin. Uh, Matt, who's who's your five? You got uh, Supan, Garza, Jesse Winker, Zach Davies, and uh, Cameron Lowe. Yeah. I have an honorable mention I'd like to to bring up. I I think he has to fit in the honorable mention because while he technically – was a brewer, he never actually appeared in a brewer's uniform <laughs> ever. Jesus Christ. And that's Trevor Rosenthal. Oh, yeah. That is Trevor Rosenthal as one of my most hated brewers of all time. If you've been listening to me on this podcast for any length of time, you know that I absolutely hated that Trevor Rosenthal trade. I, I hated the whole idea of it, the premise of it. It was stupid. It was ridiculous. And... He never ended up appearing in a game for the Brewers. And so he, I, I think with what they gave up and for how stupid it was and, and forgetting him, and then they don't even sign him back and he, and he got hurt and never appeared. I think he deserves to be hated and <laughs> like not on a personal level, but like hated as, as a brewer for his tenure. And yeah, but I, I think he has to fit in the honorable mention category because we never actually saw him pitch. Yep, he can be he can be in the honorable the honorable mention. Um, I I'm gonna I have a, we'll go over our 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 just mists as yeah. well. But if we're each gonna get an honorable mention, I'm gonna throw one out there that I just have to. Even though I 50 percent of Brewers fans aren't going to agree, and I don't know that I even agree, but. There's a lot of people on the other side who are, you know, if if he were popular enough to have that many jerseys around, they'd be burning jerseys of him when he left. And that's Craig Council. <laughs> yes. I mean. There it is. There's there's the mention that, that I was waiting for. I thought about it. I honestly yeah. thought about putting Craig Council on my list. Oh, is that who you thought I was going to take number five? Well. No, no. Okay. Like I was just kind of like I was looking through and like, you know, I mentioned managers there and I went with Ken Maka and there were probably a bunch of people that were just like, is he going to go council right yeah. there? And I'm just like, yeah, I was actually wondering. Yeah, I thought about it. I thought about it. But my hatred for Ken Maka uh, is very strong. Yeah. But still, yeah, Craig Council right now. Absolutely. If you were to pull everyone right now on their most hated former brewer of all time. Craig Council would probably top the list. Yeah. So. Be up there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, great, great honorable mention right there. Yeah. Who'd um, you have some of your just miss? Yeah, the, the one I was debating there for that fifth pick was Ryan Healy. Just because he batted cleanup somehow <laughs> in game two in an elimination yeah. game in the playoffs in 2020. After having, like, barely played all season, he was not good. And we just threw him in there as the cleanup guy in an elimination game against the Dodgers. Like, like, what are we doing? Like, like it's Ryan Healy's kind of a punchline essentially in, in Brewers yeah. fandom. Um, so that's who I was considering there for my final pick. Uh, I also have Braden Looper cause he was there for one year in 2009, had an ERA over five, just yep. freaking bad. Um, Willie Peralta. He got a lot of hate <laughs> over the yeah. years. <laughs> Big old Willie. Um, <laughs> And I had uh, Ramon Flores as well, because I just remember him being absolute cool. trash 
in 2016 in that rebuilding year. He yeah. got so much playing time in the outfield, and he was just not good at all. Yeah. But, yeah, like, there's so- not much vitriol because no one was really expecting much from that team. So Ramon, Ramon Flores sucking was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Gotcha. Yeah, no, those are those are some good ones. Uh, a few of mine that I had as possibilities but didn't end up picking. Derek Turnbow towards the end of his career, fans really turned on. As yeah. fun as he was when he was really good, uh, people – and that's kind of the life of a closer. Is that's what happens once once you run out of gas. Uh, people people discard you. Eric Sogard, um, after his one good year, kind of just sucked after that. And yeah. during that COVID year, he, he had like 10 good games and then just down the toilet. Uh, Francisco Cordero as a personal one to me. He's one that I'll <laughs> always be pissed off at because he took less money to leave the Brewers. Um, and then I had Luke Voigt as a n- another recent one where people got just super fed up with him. So. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Luke Voigt wasn't around long enough to get too much hate. Yeah. So I understand keeping him off, just kind of the just missed. But I mean, there's like not too many players that we that we totally hate. You know, we're just kind of thinking of we're kind of thinking of some guys that sucked when they were here, essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But. But some of these other guys gave kind of, you know, again, yeah, it it was mostly performance outside of Zach Davies, who's. Just kind of a dick bag. Sorry. Yeah. To, yeah. They, do this one explicit. Yeah. He definitely deserves uh, some negativity. Like all these other guys, I'm sure they're very nice, very fine people um, that, that don't deserve any sort of hatred in, in their personal lives uh, at all uh, for, for who they are. Zach Davies might. Yeah. He, he might deserve deserve a, a little teensy bit there. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But like Jonathan Scope, I'm sure he's a nice person. I'm sure he doesn't deserve all the hate, but he was bad when he was here. So we don't want to see you again. Thank you. Good. Sorry, bud. But Sorry. yeah, Gary Sheffield. Meh. So, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's the other borderline character. Yeah. Issue. Yeah. So that's a, uh, that's our list of our most hated brewers of all time. Um, so that'll do it for us. Uh, we are, we are running out of time here and hopefully, Hopefully soon the brewers will be making some moves and the hot stove will heat up and hopefully the temperature outside will heat up as well. Uh, but uh, we're just trying to make it through and we're less than a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So just let that try to keep you warm inside. So that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week on the Cold Brew Podcast.